Good morning. Once again, I'll invite you. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 6. Been praying over this verse all week long. Praying that the Lord would use it to convict and stir hearts. As I have been convicted, and it's a message I believe that Christians need to hear, maybe even the nation itself needs to hear. Jeremiah chapter 6, we're going to look at one verse this morning in Jeremiah chapter 6. Look at verse number 16 will be our text. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse number 16. And when you find your place, if you're able, let's stand as we honor the reading of God's word. Jeremiah chapter number 6, verse number 16. The word of God says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein. And ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, this morning, as we bow before you and your word has been read, we know that your word is a powerful weapon, sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, we know, Lord, that your word does exactly what it is set out to accomplish. This morning, your word has been read. Just one short verse, but, Lord, it is the sharpest of any words that could be said. Father, I pray that you convict hearts this morning. Lord, that you show us your way. Lord, I pray that if there's one among us that's lost, Lord, that has never turned to you in faith, Lord, that has never made a profession of faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, may today be that day. Lord God, if there are those among us that need to be convicted of sin in their lives, Lord, that they may see their sin uh, for what it is, Lord, I pray that this morning be the day that you convict them of that sin, that they may confess it and forsake it and turn to you for forgiveness. Father, my prayer this morning, ultimately, is that whether it's through the salvation of the lost, through the conviction of your people, Lord, that they turn from whatever sin might be before them. Lord, I pray that whatever your will for this church this morning is, that it be done. Lord, for your honor, for your glory, for the sake of the name of your son, Jesus Christ, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at our text this morning, it's a very short one, very short text that maybe you've heard preached on before. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse number 16. He talks about the old paths, turning towards the old paths. So I've titled this message, Take the Old Paths. I know it's pretty original, isn't it? <laughs> the context of Jeremiah this morning is uh, Israel is in the state of rebellion. They're in a state of sin and idolatry. The so-called people of God 
are committing such things as uh, adultery, fornication. They have forsaken God. They have turned to idols. The prophets, the ones that are standing as the mouthpiece of God, they're, instead of preaching, thus saith the Lord, they're prophesying falsely instead of speaking the truth to the people. They're speaking truths and the people in our, that is being preached to this morning and uh, from Jeremiah, they are at peace. Get this, listen to me. They are at peace in their sins. Yeah, I believe the same thing could be said of the church today. Christians all across America and all across the world are at peace in their sin. So because they're going to they'll they'll be involved in churches where the word of God is just like the prophets of Jeremiah's day. The preachers, pastors, standing before the people of God are failing to preach the word. And so when the people come in, they, they're not expecting to, to hear their sins be preached on, but they're hearing their sins be patted on the back and say, it's going to be okay. The church today is comfortable in their sin. Just as the people of God in Jeremiah's day were comfortable in their sin. But then also we could go a little bit further, couldn't we? Not just were the people of God at peace in their sin. Remember, the people of God at this point were not only just a, a not like we have today where it's a, a, a congregation gathering. This also was a nation. Millions of people. At peace in their sin. And what do we have in the world today? What do we have in America? Abortion is legal. Millions of babies murdered every year. We have the homosexuals rampant in the country. And people are just saying, well, it's okay. It's an alternative lifestyle. I just recently... Saw an article. I didn't read it. I knew it would have made me mad. But the headline read about a transgender pastor having a celebration at their church for the transition that they're about to make. Folks, I don't know about you, but I believe the state of the church and the state of the nation is in trouble because of the sin that is allowed to come into our lives. And, if, and instead of being repentant over it, we are resting in it. The prophets of Jeremiah's day said, peace, peace, when there was no peace. In our text this morning, God, through his prophet Jeremiah, was calling the people of Israel to come back to him. To repent. To repent of their sin. To repent of their evil and wicked deeds. And come back to him. This morning, maybe you're here and you have grown comfortable in 
a particular sin in your life. Maybe you're here and you're comfortable thinking that even though you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, maybe you're thinking to yourself and you're at peace because, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so that goes to the church down the road. This morning, God is calling you to repentance, to turn back to him, to turn to him in faith. Judgment looms overhead. But what is the remedy for this judgment? Just a few words from the text this morning. Number one, first step to this remedy. First thing Jeremiah tells the people. First thing God tells the people through Jeremiah is he tells them, stop. Look at our text. In verse number 16, he says, Thus saith the Lord. Notice the phraseology there. Thus saith the Lord. In other words, Jeremiah, as he stands before the people of God, he's not saying, hey, look, I've got something I want to tell you. He's not airing his grievances. He's not airing his own opinion. He is standing before the people that are committing sin and abominations before God. And he's not saying, hey, look, I don't like what you're doing. But he says, God is speaking to you. Thus saith the Lord. Those are powerful words that need to be heard and bring out across the churches in America today, across the world today, across the nation, that God still speaks. He says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways. The picture that I get when I read this text is people that are busy. They're running around like chickens with their heads cut off, doing this and they're doing that. And the Lord is intervening and He looks into His people and He says, Stop what you're doing. Stand in the way. Well, what are the ways? Well, in our text, there was a bunch of things going on in Jeremiah's day. I just want to name off a few things. Just starting in verse number 31. I'm sorry, let's let's go up. Uh, let's start in verse number 23 of chapter 5. We're going to see a bunch of things. It says in verse 23 of chapter 5 in Jeremiah, But this people, listen to this, hath a revolting, and listen, a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their hearts, Let us now fear the Lord our God. They're no longer fearing God. They're rebellious. They're doing their own thing before God. And verse 25 says, Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden good things from you. The reason they weren't being blessed, the reason they were being let off into captivity, was because God was punishing them for their sins. We look around and we wonder, what could be wrong with churches and what could be wrong with Christians today? Maybe God is punishing the church because of the unrepentant, unforsaken sin that dwells among them. So he says, stop what you're doing. Even in verse number 31. It says in chapter 5, he says, The prophets prophesy falsely, 
and the priests bear rule by their means. And my people, listen to this, and my people love to have it so. They don't care the prophets. They don't care the preachers are preaching falsely. Peace, peace, when there is no peace. They don't care. They love it. They relish in it. In chapter 6, we can move on. He says, for thus saith the Lord of hosts. Listen, he's now bringing in judgment to the picture. And for chapter 6, 6, he says, for thus hath the Lord of hosts said, Hew ye down trees and cast them out against Jerusalem. This is the city to be visited. She is holy oppression in the midst of her. As a fountain casteth out her waters, so she casteth out her wickedness, violence, and spoil is heard in her. Before me continually is grief and wounds. That's how God is feeling about the sin. Grief and wounds. Verse 8. Be thou instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from thee, lest I make thee desolate, a land not inhabited. Drop down to verse number 10. The word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but shall heed to themselves teachers having itching ears. Folks, it's been going on for thousands of years now. Nobody wants to be heard about their sin. Nobody wants to be preached on about their sin. Preach on other people's sins. Touch on other people's lives. But preacher, don't you meddle in my life. Therefore I am full of the fury of the Lord. Verse 11. Verse number 12. I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land. Judgment. Verse number 13, for from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. False preaching, idolatry, covetousness, fornication, adultery. No shame for their sin. That's the ways God is telling them to stop what they're doing right now. Stop what you're doing. Stand right where you're at. <laughs> Folks, this morning you might not be committing certain sins as they might have been committing, but you could have idolatry in your life. Anything that comes before God is idolatry. It could be your family. It could be your children, your grandchildren. It could be your work. It could be your school. And you put all these things before God. And you wonder why God is not blessing your home, not blessing your life. It's because you've made idolatries of the very things God has blessed you with. 
and you refuse to acknowledge God for them. But then not only could it be idolatry, folks, listen to me. It could be some type of morality. We live in a a world today where moralism is being taught, and that's not always a bad thing. But listen, morals will not save you. Morals will not get you into heaven. Morals outside of God's standards and outside of God's power mean absolutely nothing. Good intentions and good deeds will still send you straight to hell. For there are ways, the Bible says, Proverbs 14, 12, for there are ways that seem right unto man. The list could go on with the things that could be in our lives and the things that are in the nation's lives. Abominations are not being looked at as abominations. They're being boasted upon. A few years ago, Anna, this is our birthday coming up, and uh, we was wanting to do a little trip, just me and Anna. She said, uh, I, said I said, what do you want to do? She said, well, she's, she's, I've never been to New Orleans. I said, okay. Um, I said, we'll go. I said, we'll leave early that morning. I said, we're going to leave at 4 because we're not going to be there after dark. <laughs> Folks, we should have never went to begin with. Walking around town, uh, people had signs out saying, you know, begging for money. Honestly, I'm, they were being honest said, hey, we need money for drugs. We was walking around and... And, uh, and I just happened to glance up, and I said, Anna, we need to walk into this building real quick. She said, why? I said, I said, look straight ahead of you. And there's a woman uh, half naked from the, uh, I mean, from the waist down. She was clothed, but from the waist up, nothing. I said, I said we got to go. But that's the way people are. Even just as in Jeremiah's day, people today are still unashamed of their sin. The list could go on. People boasting about abortion. People boasting about their homosexuality. People boasting about their adulteries. People boasting about their drunkenness and revelries. People boasting about the sin that's in their lives. When folks, they should be ashamed. But they look at it and they say, well, I'm just living my life. They're unashamed. There's a way that seems right unto man. But what does the rest of that verse say? There's a way that seems right unto man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. The ways that seem right to man end in judgment. Matthew 17 or Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 speaks of that wide gate and the broad way. That leads to destruction. So God, through the prophet Jeremiah, cries out to his people, stop and stand in the ways. Stop what you're doing and look around you is the next thing. He says to stop, number one. Number two, he says to see. He says, open your eyes. He says, stand in the ways and see. Open your eyes. Look where you're at. It speaks of one. Maybe it's a command to to, to the blind. He's, He's saying, look. He says, You've been blinded. You you need to open your eyes. Stop walking around. Listen, stop walking around with your eyes closed to the sin that's in your life. 
That's what he's saying. How many times do we look at other people and say, look at and point out their faults and their sins? When he's when God is telling his people, he says, look at your own lives. Look at where you're at. You're walking around in the midst of fornication and idolatry and abominations. He says, look where you're at. Folks, for a lot of people in the church today, we could. there's a lot of things that could keep us from seeing where we're at. Number one, it could be our traditions. We see nothing wrong with, with doing the same old, same old because our traditions have blinded us. Our presuppositions about different things have blinded us. And and when we hear the word of God, we don't want to hear it because it goes against our traditions. It goes against what we think uh, should the way things should be. But folks, when it all is said and done, the one thing that really keeps us from seeing the way things really are is sin. Sin has blinded us. Listen, Satan has blinded us to the way things are. He is a deceiver and the father of lies. And there's many people in the church today that refuse to acknowledge that. There's many in the church today and across the world uh, that are blinded by Satan. So we are kept from seeing. So what is the remedy? He says in verse, he says, see. What's the remedy for this blindness? Cry out to God for the vision to see this sinfulness. But I have a problem. But here's one thing that I think we might have a problem with. I believe that a lot of people, just like uh, people that are physically blind, they they might know they're blind, but they've adapted to their blindness. See what I'm saying? I can remember when I, uh, coming up in school. First time I ever saw a blind person was in school, and um, I believe it was second grade that we had a, a, a girl that was blind come into our class for a few hours every day, and, uh, and and she could get around great. I mean, she had that she had her cane, but I mean, she knew how to do all all these different things. She could. I mean, she knew where she was going. She. Uh, she could uh, she could type and read you know read braille and all that. She had become adapted to her lifestyle. There's a pastor friend of mine uh, uh, up in uh, he pastored in the seminary Mississippi, and uh, he was legally blind. When he would preach, he uh, I heard him preach a couple of times, and when he would preach, he would take his uh, manuscripted sermon. And he would have to. Uh, I can remember he pre- preached in chapel one time at Southeastern. He he would hold it up to his face and uh, as close as he could and read his uh, manuscripted sermon. And he would walk and and he could really he had memorized patterns. He knew where he was going because he had memorized patterns of of different places. And so he didn't need a a, a cane. He said when he was younger, he said they tried to give him a cane. He said it just got in his way. So he just learned to adapt. I think in a lot of instances we have adapted to our spiritual blindness. And so rather than recognizing what's going on in our lives, we just adapt and we move on not even recognizing our blindness. God help us. 
that he opens up our eyes to see sin the way that he sees it. In fact, God tells us, he says, stop. He says, see, look around you. And we're blind to some things. So that's why the next part, he says, seek. He says in verse in our text, he says, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. The word ask uh, speaks of a simple prayer. In fact, if you want to turn with me to the book of Matthew, um, chapter number seven. Matthew chapter seven. Look what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 7 of Matthew, verse number 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, and he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So what am I, you say, well, what are you getting at, preacher? I'm saying God is calling us here now to stop what we're doing, to look around us, and then ask for him to show us the way that we need to be going. It is a heartfelt prayer of the one that wants to truly follow God. Folks, I don't know about you, but I don't like half-hearted commitments. Especially when it comes to God. We should be the ones seeking God and saying, Lord, what way would you have me to go? That's what his command here is. He says, ask for the old paths. Seek and you shall find. He'll show you the way that you need to go. Well, what are the old paths? Can I just go so far as to say this? The old paths that he is mentioning here is not what we might call that old-timey religion. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I know people talk about we need to go back to that old-timey religion. What they really mean is we need to get back to the way things were back in the 50s and 60s. We often mistake the beginning of the church. We often think that the church began with Billy Graham. Folks, can I say that's not the case? In fact, I heard a, a story about Billy Graham. He went overseas to preach one time and he went and he preached on different things, and, and they were some of the religious leaders in that uh, country were asked, you know, what do you think about Billy Graham? And they said, Billy Graham, when he come here, he set the church back 50 years. And Billy Graham, in response to that, said, well, that's a pity because I meant to set it back 2,000 years. The old paths are not getting back to using a certain version of the Bible listening to certain types of songs, not getting back to a certain type of dress. But folks, the old paths are simply paths of true repentance and following the commandments of God. Just a couple of verses to look at to show that what these old paths are. In the book of Psalm, number 16, Psalm number 16 and verse number 11. 
psalmist writes, he says, Thou wilt, listen, look at, listen to the wording. Here, this is the old paths. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Skip ahead. Psalm number 23. Psalm 23 and verse number 3. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Chapter 25 of Psalms, verse number 10. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant in his testimonies. What are the paths that we are being called to go back to? Paths of righteousness. It's following the commandments of God. It's in contrast to the ways that they were commanded to stop in. They were often rebellion, often idolatry, often paganism. And God is saying, don't get off in that. He says, you need to get back to my path. You need to get back to following me. The image is that of a man that is walking through a a, a wilderness or a forest and he's on one path and he and he hears somebody cry out stop you're going the wrong way and so he stops and he looks around and he realizes i am going the wrong way which way do i need to go and he sees somebody standing there he says look i'm lost i don't know where i need to go there's all these different paths what is the path that i need to take and that good samaritan that might be in the pathway says you need to go that way And so the man goes the way that he is commanded to go. Listen, we might be here this morning and we might be on the wrong path. We need to seek after God and say, which way do I need to go? And the Bible says, ask and it shall be given to you. Get into his word and read his word and pray and ask God, which way do I need to go? What sins do I need to forsake? And you know what? Bless God. He'll show them to you. He commands us, walk in these ways. Ask for the old path, wherein is the good way, and walk therein. The command is to walk in these paths. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And we walk in these ways. He says you find rest for your souls. The word rest speaks of peace. The commandments of God lead us to rest, lead us to peace. What are the commandments of God? And when I say the commandments of God, I'm thinking about right now, we on this side of the cross, what does God command us to do? He commands us. First and foremost, He commands us to believe the gospel. You will not find peace in your morality. You say, well, I can walk this path on my own. You say, I can walk down this path that leads to right this life of morality and good works. I can walk it on my own and find peace. Go ahead and walk that path on your own. You won't find peace. You need to walk the path of righteousness that's led by Jesus Christ. For Jesus says, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Christ calls out, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's a simple formula that God lays out. Maybe you're here this morning, you're thinking, man, this is, I've been on that path for so long. I've been on the wrong path. I need to know the right path. The right path begins with Jesus Christ. He commands us, search out that path. In our text this morning, he says this finds rest. This is to be contrasted with Jeremiah 6.14 where he says, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. People today will say, you don't need Christ. You don't need the church. You don't need religion. Peace, peace, when there is no peace. No rest. But in the gospel, he says there is peace. Everlasting peace. Everlasting rest. So he commands the people to walk therein. But I can't help but think this morning, maybe you're here and you might take the approach that the children of Israel take in our text. God cries out, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. This morning is... We seek to get back to the right ways of God. He commands us to stop. He commands us to see and to seek. This morning, maybe in this church and across America and across the world, there'll be those that will be stubborn. They won't walk therein. They'll take those ways that God says, don't take that way, take this way. And those ways end up with destruction, death, and judgment. That's the way America's headed down. That's the way a lot of so-called Christians and churches are headed down. Embracing sin when they should be preaching against sin and preaching grace and mercy found in Jesus Christ. But yet, people don't want grace and mercy. At least the devil's blinded them to it. They want their own ways. They want to walk their own path. And God says, take my path. Jesus says, put my yoke upon you. For it is easy and light. Come to me and you will find rest. This morning, let us stop what we're doing. Let us see where we're at. And let us ask God, seek him to reveal 
sin that might be in our lives so that we can take those paths and find rest. So we stand to our feet for our final hymn. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, once again, may you work in our hearts as you so see fit. Let us take your word and apply it. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.